Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we now know the players that'll be in the green room for the NFL draft, at least the first round coming up in Kansas City on April 27th. We'll tell you the names of those and who I'm looking forward to talking to. Plus, Houston, the Texans are on the clock at number two. Is there a chance that they take a player that's not a quarterback? And we'll get some more draft breakdowns from Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN. Your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on a very busy Friday, April 14th, 2023. You're locked on Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn win is a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Lockdown Raider Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's available. And if you're checking us out on YouTube, one, we appreciate you. We appreciate my man Ari for making sure we're up on YouTube each and every day. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. And today's edition of the Lockdown Raider Podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise, then this game is definitely for you. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm or look it up on the App Store. All listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps, and it's in the game store. Again, we'll tell you a lot more about Ultimate Football GM later on in the show, but let's go ahead and jump right into it. And before I do, let me go ahead and throw a disclaimer, and I feel like I got to do this like every, I don't know, couple weeks, every three weeks, maybe even once or twice a month, I got to go ahead and throw something out there. But apparently so many people are offended by the way I say Mel Kuyper Jr. every once in a while that I won't do it anymore just to satisfy the masses, right? Again, it's not that serious. Uh, I don't have to say his name like that. I was trying to have a little bit of fun, but apparently, as many have told me, I'm disrespecting the best sportscaster, one of the best sports broadcasters ever, which I definitely was not doing that. I have a ton of respect for Mel, uh, work with Mel, and that's okay. So I won't do that. Uh, I'm, I promise you, it's so funny. I know that it's not everyone that's offended, but there's some people out there that you can literally win the lottery, probably win like $5 million from the lottery, and you'd be upset about something. Like, there's just no making everyone happy. So it is what it is. I won't say it anymore. I don't want to be disrespectful. So there's that. Again, hate that I have to start the show with a stupid disclaimer. But here we are. So let's go ahead and get into some pleasant stuff. Let's go ahead and talk some Raider football on this Friday. And one of the guys that I'm very interested in the Raiders uh, drafting, I don't know when they'd be able to get him, maybe at the end of first round, maybe in the second round. That's Emmanuel Sanders out of Mississippi State, the defensive back. I've talked about him quite a bit. I saw this interesting nugget on Twitter. Matter of fact, my guy Matt Holder from silverandblackpride.com actually put it out on Twitter. And I actually had him on my radio show on Thursday to talk about it. I thought it was pretty interesting. And it's funny because he knows I'm a big Emmanuel Sanders or Emmanuel Forbes, excuse me, not Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is the wide receiver. I meant defensive back Emmanuel Forbes uh, from Mississippi State. Anyway, he knows I'm a big Emmanuel Forbes fan, and so he put it out on Twitter. Uh, here's an interesting nugget on your boy Q's favorite, uh, you know, favorite defensive back, and so he caught my attention on Twitter, but he said, in man coverage, Forbes allowed three completions on 15 targets and earned an 89.6 grade from pro football felt focus. That's the sixth highest in the country, and that's really impressive. Really, I mean, it is because he's a guy that's 6'1", 6'2", but 166, 170 pounds at best. I mean, the dude is a literal a toothpick out there, right? Super skinny, but he doesn't run away from tackle. 
tackles. He's always in the mix. He plays really good press man coverage. He's got really good ball skills. Got to be one of my favorite players in this upcoming draft. I don't know if the Raiders are going to have an opportunity to draft him or not, but man, I really do think he'd be a heck of a steal if they can get him. Is he going to get burned early on in his career? Probably, similar to what Trayvon Diggs did in Dallas, but you see, he was able even to clean it up a lot uh, and you know, as he got a little bit more experience in the NFL under his belt, and I think Emmanuel Forbes will be you know, the same way, but uh, here's Mel Kuyper Jr. from his uh, press conference that he had, or his, his, uh, you know, his uh, pre-draft conference call he had the other day on where he thinks that Emmanuel Forbes from uh, Mississippi State can go, and then just kind of breaks him down just a little bit. Here's, uh, here's Mel on Emmanuel Forbes. In terms of Forbes, I thought about four teams for Forbes. I said, okay, you know, could he go as high as Pittsburgh at 17, but I, I, I gave them a receiver. Then I moved Banks down to Baltimore. He could go there. I gave Minnesota Forbes, could have given them to the Giants at, uh, at what, 25. So there was a couple spots for Forbes. He's tremendous ball skills. You can't, you talk about, we can't coach up what he did and, and, and develop a kid to have ball skills and awareness and coverage. That's, that's you either have it or you don't. He has it. And, you know, here's a guy ran 4.35, tested out tremendously well athletically. He has the length. He's, he's only 166 pounds, but he tackles. And he didn't miss any games because of injury in his career at Mississippi State in the SEC. That should add up to a first-round pick. So I, I've seen people push him to the second. I've heard that from people when I've done calls. that Some have him in the second round, but uh, I have him in the first. And I think he's – I wouldn't say he's a lock first because I've seen projections that have him in the second or heard of projections that have him in the second. But my intel is first round, and I think based on the tape, He's a first-rounder. So there you go. A little breakdown from Mel talking about Emmanuel Forbes. And uh, he said right there, you know, with everything, all the traits that he has, he definitely believes he's a, he's a lock for round one. And that's what I'm afraid of. I wish he'd dropped a round two. I want him to get it go in round one for him. For his sake, you know, because that's awesome. Everyone wants to be a first-round draft pick, and especially when you have 14 career interceptions and six pick sixes, so I want him to have that. But at the same time, I wish he would just drop to round two and the Raiders had an opportunity to go get him. But uh, I've said it earlier in the week, I feel like that they have an opportunity to trade back up into the back end of round one. I feel like they'd probably do that for like a Hendon Hooker. But you never know. Maybe they're looking at Forbes and saying, yeah, if we can get him in the back end uh, and then combine him with whoever they get at number seven as well, uh, that might be one hell of a combination. Great way to start turning that defense around if you're the silver and black. So we'll see what happens. But uh, most likely, the Raiders won't have an opportunity to get him unless he falls to round two. Now, some players that we found out, actually we found out 17 players are going to be in the green room in Kansas City. And why am I excited about this? Because I'll be in Kansas City starting on the 25th. Of course, the draft uh, doesn't get started till the 27th, but we'll have an opportunity to talk with all the guys that are going to be in attendance. They have like a media day, and I don't know exactly where it's going to be yet. They haven't given us that those information, that details, but we'll get a, like an hour, hour and a half where we get to talk to as many of these guys as possible. So I've got a few that I want to specifically make sure I talk to and bring to the table, bring to the podcast, bring to the radio as we prepare for the draft for round one of the draft. But I wanted to go over the 17 guys that will be in the green room uh, come April 27th. And they could still add a a player or two, but most likely these will be the guys that are going to be there. So I'll go through it kind of quickly. From USC, wide receiver Jordan Addison. Alabama linebacker Will Anderson Jr., uh, Alabama defensive back Brian Branch, the safety, uh, Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter, Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers, Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon, Paris Johnson Jr., the tackle out of Ohio State, Will Levis Jr., the, or Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State, 
Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas. Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, also out of Ohio State, quarterback C.J. Stroud. Georgia Tech defensive end Keon White. Texas Tech defensive end Tyree Wilson. Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. And then Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. So those are the 17 players. So who have I prioritized are guys that I want to talk to. Will Anderson, out of Alabama, the linebacker. Jalen Carter, defensive lineman out of Georgia. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. Tyree Wilson, defensive end out of Texas Tech. Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. And Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. I want to focus in on those. I know it's like the majority of the guys, right? The list of the guys I don't want to focus in on is a lot shorter than the ones I do. Matter of fact, it's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven out of 17. I'm not focused in on. So uh, I'm getting greedy and trying to get as many as possible. And that's what you're supposed to do. If you're going to be there, you might as well take advantage. And I remember being able to talk to a bunch of these guys last year and the Raiders didn't have an opportunity to get any of the guys really in the green room because they didn't have a first or second round pick, but still having the opportunity to talk to these guys before they get drafted is always cool. I'll always go back to the time when I got to talk to Josh Jacobs in Nashville the day before he got drafted. And, you know, we've built a, a really good bond ever since then. So I thought that that was cool. And some of these guys, all these guys that I focus in on, I believe they all have opportunities to be Raiders at the end of the day, right? Bryce Young, probably not as much as others, but Devin Witherspoon, I believe he could be there at seven. Tyree Wilson, seven. CJ Stroud, I think the Raiders could trade up for him if they wanted to. Anthony Richardson, same thing. Joey Porter Jr., you know, if they trade back, they could probably get him around 14 or 15. Will Levis, he's a quarterback, so you got to talk to him. Christian Gonzalez could be there at seven. Jalen Carter, Probably won't be there at seven, but you never know. Will Anderson, probably have to trade up to get him. But all those guys, in reality, could end up being Raiders at the end of the, the first round. So that's why I want to focus in on those guys and want to bring that sound to the table. And it's funny, I mentioned C.J. Stroud. He actually could be available for the Raiders. I've talked about it on the show many times that, you know, if it wasn't Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, then the Raiders probably don't want a quarterback in the top ten they might actually have an opportunity to go C.J. Stroud. There's a lot of conversations going on right now about Bryce Young being the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, and there's actually reports that Houston might not want C.J. Stroud, and they might go with the best defensive player, which is Will Anderson. They might go in that direction at number two, especially since D'Amico Ryan's a defensive-minded head coach, is now the, the big man, the head man in, uh, in Houston. So I had on uh, my radio show on Thursday Aaron Wilson, who's an NFL insider, does a great job from Houston. He covers the Texans like a glove. He's been tight in Baltimore. I mean, he's, he, he just has been covering the NFL for a very long time. He's uh, very similar to John McClain, and they used to actually be running buddies and work together. Now John works for gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610 and Aaron Wilson works for a TV station in Houston, but he was on my radio show on Thursday, and you'll hear the question I asked about the possibility of the of the Texans taking someone who's not a quarterback at number two. Is there any chance in your mind that the Texans go with someone who's not a quarterback at number two? Yes, there is a chance that that happens, and I would say do not rule out that scenario of a Will Anderson uh, that that could happen, or they trade out. Uh, is he really like exactly what you wanted to. I'm not sure that he is, but I think that you have to take that scenario very seriously and that that could happen or they trade out. And there are some teams that, you know, just it's all in the eye of the beholder. One thing that influences a lot of this, and I'm not dunking on these quarterbacks, but there is no Joe Burrow, no Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence. Not that those guys are like the next Peyton Manning either, but this is, is it's better than last year. But is this a great quarterback class? No, not in my opinion or a lot of NFL talent evaluators' opinions. 
there's no like generational prospect here. They're all nice. They're good. There's a flaw with all of them. You can pick all of them apart. It was harder to do that in the past and a couple years back. And last year, I was with a terrible quarterback class. Uh, and, you know, just where Pro League and League arms, it didn't have that. So I look at this year, it's improved. But next year will be a lot better with Caleb Williams and May. So let's, you know, kind of wait till next year. So there it is right there. Pretty interesting, right? So if they go Will Anderson, all of a sudden C.J. Stroud is sitting there at number three. Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. That's when, as I mentioned, the Raiders and anyone else who wants a quarterback, the Colts, uh, you know, someone else, maybe the Tennessee Titans, they pick up the phone and call Arizona. It's like, hey, this is what we got for you. Are we, are we good? Let's go make that move. I could totally see the Raiders ended up with C.J. Stroud if Houston decides to pass on a quarterback. So that, to me, is very, very intriguing. But that's exactly why I believe Dave Ziegler and company have already made the call, already talked to Arizona and said, okay, what is it going to take to get that number three spot, if in fact we do want to trade up. And that's why I don't think there's going to be any trade happening until at least the third, until that, that third pick, right? Until until the actual draft is going on and we find out who Houston takes. I mean, first it's got to start with Carolina. I think they take Bryce Young. It just seems like everyone's very confident. Adam Schefter, Chris Mortensen, and a lot more are basically saying Bryce Young to Carolina is a done deal. So then it gets a little freaky at number two. Do the Texans go with Stroud, get the quarterback, or do they go and get someone on defense? And if they do that, or maybe even trade back, you know, like Aaron Wilson said, it could really get interesting uh, in the, the beginning of the NFL draft. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, Mel Kuyper Jr., some breakdowns from his pre-draft conference call that he had just a couple days ago. We did all things offense on Thursday. We'll focus in on the defense. We'll do that coming up in segment number two after I tell you about the title sponsor, which is the Ultimate Football GM and this is all we've been doing. I've been the ultimate football GM, and this podcast has been the, the hub for the ultimate football GM ever since the offseason, right? Because that's all we've been doing, talking about free agency, talking about coaches, talking about potential draft picks, talking about how Josh McDaniels and company are going to lead the Raiders through the season and how they can go uh, through it and try to navigate their way through the playoffs, the ups and downs, the roller coasters of a, dra- of a season. That's what this whole game is about, the ultimate football GM. I mean, you can do everything that you want to do. You're responsible for everything. It's a very challenging game. It's a realistic game. It's completely free and it's playable offline. You play on the go as you want and when you want to. And right now, all listeners of the Locked On Raiders podcast get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On. It's all the caps. It's in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps. So make sure to check it out today. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. It's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to go ahead and wrap up some breakdowns from Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN. He had his pre-draft conference call number two, the final one before the draft coming up uh, April 27th in Kansas City. Excited about that opportunity to be there. We did all things offense on Thursday, so I really wanted to focus in on defense for today's show. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it on his latest mock draft 4.0. He has Devin Witherspoon going number seven overall to the silver and black. So I asked this question about Devin Witherspoon going number seven and then kind of comparing and contrasting the top cornerbacks in the draft. Like how much of a gap is there when you're looking at guys like, you know, uh, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., and the rest of the, you know, the top corner. So here's Mel breaking down the corners in this upcoming draft and really focusing on the first round cornerbacks. That's a great question as far as the corners first. I think you look at 
Witherspoon, 5'11 and a half, uh, you know, he's not as big as Gonzalez to 6'1 and change, 197. Um, but Witherspoon had a great year. He's got, he's a tremendous tackler. He's a great, great, uh, tremendous instincts, ball skills, awareness. He has it all. He had 11 pass breakups even a couple of years ago. Then he had the interceptions this year. Uh, he did it all for Brett Bielema. I really liked it. And he ran really well, 4-4, uh, after he had the hamstring that's pushed off the combine and pro day to where he was able to run in April. So he was able to do that. That, I think, gave him an edge. Witherspoon uh, uh, over, over Gonzalez is just slight uh, because of the fact, let's say, Gonzalez has the size advantage. But Gonzalez didn't show the ball skills till this year when he finally had four interceptions. That was the first interception of his career. Doesn't tackle as well as, as Witherspoon. Porter's a press corner with great length, six two and a half, incredibly long arms. He doesn't transition as well in off coverage as well as some of the other guys. He was a press guy. Uh, and he only had, you know, he's got to have more, you know, show better ball skills. He didn't have any interceptions, one interception in his career. Um, so that's the issue with him. Um, Deontay Banks was injured in 2021, missed the whole year with a shoulder, came back this year. The problem with Banks is he doesn't, he tracks the deep ball. He's with the receiver, but he doesn't locate the deep ball as well. So that at the end of the route, making the play is what Banks has to work on. So that's why he's that. DJ Turner sizes against him a little bit, but he held up well. He played in press and he played in off. He ran four, two, six. Tackled well, was a special teams guy before he was a starter. So he's right in there. So that's kind of the way the cornerback shook down. So there you go right there. Mel Kuyper Jr. breaking down the cornerbacks. He has Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. The cornerback slotted in at number seven right now with the silver and black on his latest mock draft 4.0. And I've heard people say that, Q, you keep pushing this narrative about taking a cornerback at seven. It's not me that's pushing the narrative. It's the fact that a lot of these guys that do these mock drafts, and this is what they do professionally, and I'm never going to claim to be the guy that does it professionally, have Witherspoon or Gonzalez slotted in at number seven, right? I mean, just because the way that the board shakes out, right? And of course, if, you know, there's some trades early or a, a guy on defense goes earlier than expected, then of course things could really get flipped upside down. But right now, the way that a lot of these boards shake out, like for Mel, for example, his first four picks are all quarterbacks. So then all of a sudden, the first defensive player doesn't come off the board till number five. And I don't believe Tyree Wilson was available, so he went with a, a cornerback at number seven. The good thing about the Raiders, regardless of who they get, if they don't go and get a quarterback, like make some kind of drastic move for a quarterback in, with their first pick, they're going to have an opportunity to get the best defensive player that they feel is there, whether that's Jalen Carter, whether that's Tyree Wilson, whether that's, I mean, Will Anderson, if he happens to be there, which I don't think he would be, but if he is, so if it's Lucas Van Ness, I mean, you know, anybody, or a Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon, it seems like they have an opportunity to get a really good difference maker on defense, and that's what's most important. If they're not going to get a quarterback, that's fine. I'm good with that. Go get the best defensive players. So I'm not pushing the narrative. I'm just saying that they need alphas at as many positions as possible. And Witherspoon and Gonzalez, I believe, are alphas. You know how I feel about Forbes. I'd be good with them grabbing him at the back end of, of round one or the beginning of round two. I'd be fine with that as well. If they went D-tackle, cornerback, cornerback, D-tackle, whatever, I, I don't care, right? I just want the best defense they can get out there because the defense has been struggling so long. But at some point, we know They've also got to get a quarterback. So there's that. So that was Mel just breaking down the top cornerbacks in, uh, in this year's draft and focusing in on the first round, guys. And I mentioned Lucas Van Ness. Well, here's Mel Kuyper breaking down the Iowa prospects. Talk a little Lucas Van Ness, little Riley Moss, the cornerback, Jack Campbell, the linebacker. I know a lot of folks have talked about uh, all of these guys here on the show. Well, here's Mel breaking down these Iowa prospects. Yeah, Lucas Van Ness. Uh, yeah, I have him going in the first round. Uh, you know, Todd has him a little bit higher. I have him to Jacksonville. 
he didn't always play to the level of those athletic numbers for me. And I think another year would have really benefited him, but he certainly has talent. He has versatility. He's going to keep getting better. A tough, tough kid wants to be great. So I think he could go top 15. It's, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Todd thinks he will go top 10 to 15. I didn't doubt just a little bit from there. Uh, Riley Moss is intriguing because I think he can be a safety. I wish his arm length was, a, his arms were a little longer, uh, but he ran well. You knew he would. Uh, he's got the ball skills. It gets a little handsy at times. Uh, he's got a little grabby. So I think a corner, he may struggle a bit. I would move him inside to safety. That would be my opinion on Riley Moss. He could certainly be a guy, can be a slot corner. But, uh, you know, with his coverage skills, I think, and the way he tackles uh, and the arm length not being what you would want, maybe safety uh, would be his spot uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of where you would look at him in the NFL. Probably more as a second-round pick, I would think, at this point. Merriweather, I have a later-round grade on, uh, you know, coming out of Iowa. But I think he's a guy can stick on an NFL roster. Uh, so I think when you look at Van Ness, uh, Jack Campbell, I thought Van Ness in the mid to late first for me. Like I say, Todd thinks early to mid. Jack Campbell, I have a solid second-round grade on. He's right in there with Drew Sanders from Arkansas, Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Uh, he has the one thing you want. He has the length of inside linebacker, which can be disruptive to quarterbacks. Uh, it's, always, it's hard to find those kind of guys. Uh, that's why Sanders has value. That's why Campbell has really good value there. It's rare to find guys like that. Uh, coming into the NFL draft. That's why I think he goes in the second round. I like Jack Campbell a lot. I think Lucas Van Ness is really good as well, but you heard Mel talk about it. Probably would have been smart for him to come back and get a little bit more burn. He's a guy that never really started a game, but he had a lot of production. So, you know, if you get him kind of similar to Tyree Wilson, you're banking on him continuing to develop his game. Jack Campbell, though, he seems like a linebacker that can get it done. I think he's a second round guy. So I would have no problem with the Raiders making that move to go get him uh, in round two. Uh, they do obviously need to upgrade the linebackers. I mean, again, I, I've said it so many times. Every level of the defense needs to be upgraded when it comes to the silver and black. Riley Moss, I'm not that big on. And, and you heard Mel, he wasn't that big on him either. Probably thinks he's going to end up turning into a safety. But he has ball skills, and he played well at Iowa. So a little breakdown right there on Lucas Van Ness, Riley Moss, Jack Campbell from Mel Kuyper Jr. I mentioned Tyree Wilson, uh, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Found out uh, for a fact, I, I nailed it in, locked it in, that I'll be talking to his head coach, Joey McGuire, on my radio show on the 19th. So that's what, next Wednesday uh, at 3.30 Pacific time. I'll be talking to Joey McGuire. He used to be a, an assistant coach at Baylor, took over the head coaching job at Texas Tech. I've got a good relationship with him. It took us a while to get our, you know, get our times figured out and everything, you know, so our wires weren't crossed up, but Got it locked in now. Next Wednesday, the 19th at 3.30 Pacific time, I'll be talking to head coach Joey McGuire from uh, Texas Tech to find out all things Tyree Wilson. But in the meantime, in between time, here's Mel Kuyper Jr. talking about Tyree Wilson. Well, uh, he's got – you're talking about talent. And we talk about what you can do as a defensive line coach with somebody with that kind of ability, 6'6 six, six and 270, with the longest arms you'll ever see of a defensive end. So just look at him physically – and athletically to say, boy, you know, he did have the foot injury late. They did drop him a little into coverage. So, yeah, sometimes you didn't always see the dominance game, the game you would have wanted getting there for the quarterback. But, uh, you know, somebody's going to take him early. Some think he could go in the top five, six. I have him going 12, uh, you know, in the round, oh, excuse me, 11 to Arizona on that trade down. I would, if they're thinking Will Anderson Jr. at three, now they move down to 11 and you get Tyree Wilson who gives you tremendous upside. Now there's a, there's some things he's got to work through. And obviously the defensive line coach is going to have to do his job. But uh, I think Tyree Wilson goes no later than 11 where I have him going. I like Tyree a lot. 
I really do. I think he's a guy that if the Raiders made that move at number seven, that'd be fantastic. I think he could fill multiple roles. I think he could kick inside. I think he could play outside, right? I mean, if they want to have him on the field with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, that would fill a, a massive hole, right? But if they also wanted to slide him in maybe for Max or maybe for Chandler on certain downs, give these guys a little bit of a break, that'd be okay too. So I think that he's, you know, more than a one-trick pony. He's still, I don't want to say raw, but he's still developing, you know, like I mentioned with Lucas Van Ness, but he's got he's got more production than Lucas, but I do think that Tyree Wilson is going to be a really good uh, player in the league, and if the Raiders made that move for him, I'd be okay with that, and I cannot wait to talk to head coach Joey McGuire next week. That's going to be so much fun. You want to talk about a dude that's got plenty of energy? Huh. Joey McGuire is your guy. I guarantee after I have that conversation, everyone in Raider Nation is going to want Tyree Wilson just because Joey McGuire is that kind of dude, not a salesman. You know, he's not a, a, a used car salesman or anything like that. Like he's just a slick talker. No, he just has so much energy and excitement, and enthusiasm and passion that it's going to get you fired up. And if you're not a, a watcher of Texas Tech football after hearing Joey McGuire, you probably will be. I mean, this dude was a high school football coach at one point in Texas. Uh, he came on uh, at Baylor as an assistant coach under Matt Rule and really should have probably got the head coaching job when Matt Rule left to go to the Carolina Panthers. That ended up going to Dave Aranda. He stuck around, was an assistant on Dave Aranda's uh, staff, really helped keep that team together when Rule was gone, and then finally got his own opportunity to run his own program at Texas Tech. Really happy for Joey McGuire. Really good dude and can't wait to talk to him next week on the 19th at 3.30 Pacific time on my radio show, Unnecessary Roughness, on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, on this call with Mel Kuyper Jr., it was funny, man. I uh, I double-dipped, right? <laughs> like, I asked my questions early, and I asked a couple then. He answered them. And then as the call was starting to get wrapped up, I was like, yeah, you know what? I could probably squeeze in uh, one more opportunity. So uh, on the Zoom call, I, you know, raised my hand real quick. And it's funny. I don't think the lady realized it until she was, like, mid-sentence calling my name out again. She said, all right, we're going to – going back to Vegas to talk to Q. <laughs> so that that's kind of how she introed me. And I just kind of laughed because, well, it was already like an hour and a half long, but I was trying to get one more in. And the question I wanted to ask was this one about the interior defense alignment. Like we talk about Jalen Carter. We talk about Kalijah Kansi, but we don't talk about a whole lot of other guys like uh, Ika or Ika from uh, Baylor. We talk about him a little bit. There's not a whole lot that we really are deep diving in when it comes to the interior defensive linemen. So I asked him straight up, you know, who could be some guys taken a little bit later that could end up being steals that he thinks could be really good defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen when it's all said and done. It's a great question. I think Roy at LSU, I've talked about him as an underrated guy. Have not yet mentioned Mozzie Smith, who's a talented kid. Defensive line coaches need to work with him to maximize that ability, but he's got a chance as a second-round pick out of Michigan. Carl Brooks is a really intriguing guy out of Bowling Green. The production in the Mid-American Conference was outstanding. He can play, I think, as a 3-4 end. He can be a 4-3 defensive tackle. Uh, he's got a lot of scheme versatility. I think he could be a third-round pick that wasn't invited to the combine that will surprise people. Uh, Keanu Benton at Wisconsin. People love the potential. I didn't see the production. Uh, I think he could go second or third round. Colby Wooden out of Auburn's versatile. I see him as more of a three technique. We'll see about him. You want a nose tackle? It's uh, Siaki Apuika from Baylor. Uh, Gervon Dexter tested well out of Florida. Had his moments. I like to see more consistency there. Uh, Clark at, o at Coastal Carolina could be a day three guy. I thought Coburn at Texas played well. Didn't test great. Uh, Jalen Redmond at Oklahoma is another guy. Broderick Martin, Western Kentucky. Byron Young, Alabama. Uh, Ojomo at uh, Texas. Uh, there's a lot of defensive tackles. But I think Carl Brooks, because he was not invited to the combine at a bowling green. You could put him at end or tackle uh, for the reasons I talked about, the versatility from a scheme standpoint. 
But I think Carl Brooks is interesting. But Roy at LSU is one of my more underrated players in this draft. So there you go right there. Uh, double dipping on my uh, on my questions when it came to uh, the conference call and the, the pre-draft conference call with Mel Kuyper Jr. I was definitely appreciative of his time. And he's, he's really, I mean, good with it. Doesn't really mind. I uh, had no problem asking, you know, answering multiple questions. But I just thought it was funny the way that uh, the lady that was, like I said, conducting the call was like, we're going back to Vegas to talk to Q. Like, go ahead, Q. What do you got this time? So, anyway, a little breakdown right there of uh, some of the some of the defensive guys. The final final question that or final soundbite that I have for from Mel on uh, defensive players is on Iowa State prospects. He's actually going to talk about Will McDonald the 4th, the edge rusher. He does uh, drop in wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson as well and then talks about safety Anthony Johnson Jr. So, here's Mel talking all things Iowa State prospects. Well, hey, let's go to, the, to Will McDonald the 4th. He's a pass rusher. He's got bend and bend is so important to go from college to pro and he's got this i love his the force fumble production at iowa state um you know he's a guy who will be a situational pass rusher immediately and help a defense uh xavier hutchinson you know almost six two uh he has the size you want he doesn't have tremendous speed but i thought he ran better than expected uh he, his hands were really good he was a guy they counted on to make big plays and brock did they did it even this year his past year i think he's a late he's a day three guy um, coming out of Iowa State. I, yeah, and I think Anthony Johnson Jr., the Iowa State defensive back, I really like him. I think he's a guy in the fourth, fifth round area is going to make a team. He's going to be a contributor. He may even be a starter, a super smart kid with great versatility. I love the way he played, love the way he tackled. Um, I really like him as a day three pick. So there you go. Just wanted to wrap it up with that. Kind of got into Iowa prospects earlier. Wanted to wrap it up with Iowa State prospects as well. So a little defensive breakdowns from Mel. And I mean, man, less than uh, less than two weeks away from the start of the NFL draft. Very excited about it. Of course, I got my mind focused on the defense and want to know, are they going to get a quarterback of the future in this upcoming draft or are they just going to get a quarterback? Right. And then have to still uh, figure out who their quarterback of the future is going to be. I mean, that's obviously one of the biggest questions that we'll have going into the draft and coming out of the draft, right? I mean, it's, it's more than one round, right? It's the 27th, 28th, and 29th. By the time they wrap up that draft on that Saturday, you know, are they going to have their franchise quarterback or are they just going to have a quarterback? That'll be one of the biggest questions. But what's on your mind? What's your thoughts? 707-654-4693. That's the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. Your calls and texts are coming up next as we close out the show and close out the week here on the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a call from Proto from the 778. He's calling to give his draft breakdown, and I'll tell you right now, he's got it all planned out. Here he is, Proto from the 778. Hi, right, Q, Raider Nation. This is... Proto coming from the 778, and here's what we're going to do for the NFL draft this year. All right, for the number seven pick, if Devin Witherspoon is there, we're going to pick him up, okay? But he's probably not going to be there because I think the Lions are going to pick him up, right? If Devin Witherspoon is not there, we are not taking a quarterback. It doesn't make any sense. The Raiders are not a quarterback away from the Super Bowl. We are a defense away. So I'm going defense, okay? If Devin Witherspoon is not there, we're going to trade down. Maybe three, maybe four slots. We're going to trade down and pick the best defense there. If no one wants to trade with us, we'll just take the best defensive player available at seven. Probably going to be someone. That's fine. That's what we're going to do. 
the second round, we might go quarterback if we see anybody good, but we're not going to think quarterback till maybe the second or third round. Why? Because we got Coach McDaniels, and we're going to trust him to train up the next QB, even if it's going to be a second rounder or third rounder. We know he can do it. He's done it before, so we're going to trust him there. As I said before, the team is not a quarterback away, and it doesn't make sense to take a project like Richardson and try to train him up. It just wouldn't make any sense to do that. We're going to give up way too much. So we're going to go defense at seven a trade back, and then go defense. And then in round, round two, we're going to go defense again. And sometime between late round two or early round three, we're going to go quarterback and train them up. All right? As you said, the draft is a crapshoot. You just got to go with the best thing you got and just stick with it. We don't need a quarterback right now. We need defense, so we're going defense. That's what I got. And as always, Raiders. Have a wonderful day. Proto, thanks for the call, my man. Witherspoon, good pick at seven, right? I mentioned Mel Kuyper earlier. He has him sl- slotted in at number seven on his mock draft 4.0. Of course, I like him a lot. We had an opportunity to talk to him at the Combine. We'll have an opportunity to talk to him right before he gets drafted, whoever drafts him, but he'll be one of the guys, the prospects in the green room, so it'll be great to be able to catch up with that young man. But, I mean, look, they can get as much defense as they want, right? They can they can really have an opportunity to build up that defense with 12 draft picks. At some point, though, as I mentioned at the end of segment number two, they've got to find their quarterback. If they're going to get their quarterback of the future, they're going to have to probably make a move for him. Is it going to be Hendon Hooker? Are they going to be able to find him at the end of round one? Are they going to get him at the beginning of round two? Are they going to trade up if a C.J. Stroud happens to drop? I mean, there's... Again, there's so many questions, and there's always that moment in mock drafts, or not mock drafts, in the actual draft where you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming, right? I mean, it's just, it always happens. It's sure, it's, it's just about as, as guaranteed as, as it is we're going to talk about the draft, right, or draft, talk about mock drafts. It's just, it's a guarantee. There's always something that pops up that just kind of blows everyone's mind. So we'll see how it shakes out. But, I mean, I guess the good thing about having Jimmy G right now is that they're not forced to do, you know, to, to make the issue to, to go and get a guy and kind of mortgage the future so they can kind of just let it all come to them. But at the same time, they do got to get their guy at some point, so I appreciate you. Uh, next up is a text from Matt in Northern California. It says, hey, Q, on NFL Network, there was an interesting conversation between Bucky Brooks and Charlie Weiss about Nolan Smith, the edge defender out of Georgia. Both of, ha- both of them have him inside the top ten in their mock drafts. They're wondering why more people aren't as high on him as they are, and they think he'll rise up draft boards the next two weeks. Many people don't see him as a true double-digit sack guy, but more as a versatile player that will fill up the stat sheet with some sacks, TFLs, forced fumbles, etc. What are your thoughts on Nolan Smith at 7 for the Raiders as a compliment to Crosby instead of one of the top two corners? Or Tyree Wilson, love the show. That's Matt in Northern California. And I like Nolan Smith a lot. And it's funny, I'm not going to lie to you, I became a big fan of Nolan Smith when I actually heard him when he was at the podium at the Combine in Indianapolis. I mean, this dude captured the room. And just the energy and the passion that he spoke about uh, everything with, right? I mean, you could just tell he's a leader of men. He's going to be an alpha dog. I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that is going to lead uh, the troops to battle, right? I mean, that's just it's just in his DNA. He can't help himself. That's just how he's built. Now, coming off the pec injury, that's why he wasn't able to finish the season with Georgia last year. I don't know if top 10 is where he should be, but to your credit, he um, and Mel Kuyper Jr. actually had him at number eight with the uh, Atlanta Falcons. He had him mocked uh, number eight. So I do think he's going to start getting a little bit more love uh, in, the, in, the, in the final two weeks before the draft. I'm just not sure if he's going to go top 10 or not. I think most people really kind of have an uh, agreement that he's around the, the 12, 13, 14. So I, maybe if the Raiders were to trade back from seven, 
Maybe they end up with him, but I do think he's going to be an alpha dog for somebody at some point. I just don't know who's going to pull the trigger on him. But, man, he does seem like he is the guy, right? And, and again, a leader of men, and that's all you can really ask for. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a call from Ted from L.A. It's a short one. He's calling to talk about Jimmy G and what he thinks he'll do or who he'll be like when it comes to the Raiders. Here he is, Ted from L.A. Hey, Q, what's up? It's your boy Ted over in L.A. I just want to talk about the QB situation. Hey, I'm thinking Jimmy G is going to be Rich Gannon 2.0. When Gannon came to the Raiders, he fit Gruden's offense perfectly and just exploded. I think Jimmy G is going to be to do the same exact stuff. He's going to fit uh, McDaniel's offense perfectly, and I think he's going to take it to the next level. I'm not worried about him. Um, as long as he stays healthy, of course, but I don't see that being an issue either. I, I think we're going to be okay. I'm not really too concerned about that. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy G, Gannon 2.0. You heard it here first. All right, Q, take care. Ted, thanks for the call. Rich Gannon 2.0, huh? I've heard that one before, right? I've, I've heard that multiple times. I think he has the opportunity to be a good pl- player. It's hard to describe Jimmy G, only because every time I talk about him, his injury history pops in my head. And I keep thinking, okay, so I'm banking on him staying healthy. Right, I'm just going to close my eyes. Like I told Kay Adams, I can't close my eyes and act like he's not an injury-prone guy. I just can't. As much as I want to force myself to say, this dude's going to be healthy for 17 games, he's going to lead the Raiders to the playoffs, and everything's going to be fine, I just can't lie to myself and think that it doesn't happen. He just gets injured too much. He's just injury-prone. So uh, that's that's what is really, I don't want to say even frustrating. It's just it's it's you feel like because he has the experience with Josh McDaniels, and he has players around him that want to play with him, you feel like he could be a good quarterback. I do believe he could be a good quarterback, right? He, and he stands in the pocket. He doesn't mind taking a hit. The problem is he takes too many hits, and then he ends up getting injured some way, somehow. So I understand where you're coming from with the Rich Gannon 2.0. I mean, if he can stay healthy, all bets are off, right? The, 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 it's always going to be a big if, though, when it comes to can he stay healthy. So thank you for that call. I do appreciate you. Uh, next up, and we'll probably close out with this, a text from Dude. Where's my car, Raider? I like that. Isn't that a movie back in the day? Dude, where's my car? Anyway, uh, here we go. He says, hey, Q, long-time listener, first-time texting in. Two, ra- two Raiders that it seems like everyone has forgotten about are Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler. Any insight on why the two rookies didn't get a lot of burn in the second half of the season last year? feel like we don't know their potential, which makes D-tackle yet another need. If they played more, then I feel like it would have made it easier on the Raiders to figure out how much of a need defensive tackle is or isn't. That's from Dude, Where's My Car Raider? And it's funny that you bring him up or bring those guys up, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. Those are the two defensive tackles that Dave Ziegler drafted last year, one out of LSU and one out of Tennessee. And I remember when they drafted him, or he drafted him, everyone thought, man, those, those are some pretty good steals, man. Coming out of LSU and Tennessee, those are some pretty good players. But you're right, they didn't get a whole lot of burn. But great minds think alike, <laughs> right? So when we were at the owners' meetings in Phoenix, Arizona, I actually asked both Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler about those guys and what their expectations were because it is quiet on that front. And, right, if those guys could step up and be big-time players, then maybe defensive tackle is not as big of a need as we think it is. But, again, because they didn't get that burn, we really don't know. But here's Josh McDaniels responding to my question about those two guys in Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler. We were talking about second-year guys. How about Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell? They didn't get a lot of burn in their rookie year. How much do they need to step up this year? Yeah, we're excited. Um, You know, both of them have already been there, you know, on their own with our strength guys, which they're allowed to do, and and just – really trying to put in all the time and effort that they need to to 
I'd say, start at a better place than they finished, which sometimes is a huge key for guys going from year one to year two. But, you know, invested, you know, in the defensive line last year a little bit in the draft. And obviously, if those two guys can have a really good leap here in a year or two, that would help us for sure. So there you go. There's a McDaniel's response about Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler. Now here's my question and answer from uh, to Dave Ziegler uh, as I talked to him, the GM of the Silver and Black at the owners meeting, as I talked about those guys as well. Final question for you. Uh, Neil Farrell Jr., Matthew Butler, they yeah. didn't get a whole lot of burn their rookie year. I asked Josh McDaniels how important it is for them to get into the mix, and he said they're already working out. They're at the facility. They stayed yeah. back. They're really hungry. What, yeah. what, what excites you about those two guys? Yeah, well, one, I'm excited just in terms of that, that they made the decision, you know, on their own independently to, you know, stay around um, Henderson um, and, and work at the facility and, you know, really dedicate themselves to improving um, their body and their strength and their explosion and all those different things. I think, you know, that tells, that tells us a little bit about their commitment and that it's important to them. And, you know, we expect, um, you know, uh, uh, not just them, but a lot of these players and some of them are veterans too, just a second year in a system is, as you know, like right. the first year on the job, um, no matter what you are, you might just be trying to figure out how the copy machine works Man. and, you know, where to get the coffee. <laughs> Let, me and, right? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. And then in year two, a lot of those things that you had to put thought into, um, you don't. And then you think back like, man, I had to put thought into that. Right. You know? And so I think with the continuity that we have with our coaching staff, um, coming back almost in, almost intact, that there's going to be a a level of comfort for our players that I think we are hopeful that we'll see a jump from a lot of these guys, but Matt and Neil are, you know, we're, there's an expectation there too, and they need to put in the work to do it. And, you know, um, you know, we're hopeful that they, you know, from what we've seen that they're on the right path and that, you know, we're looking forward to them in some shape or form to be, you know, contributing members here this year. So I guess the good thing that, that both of those guys, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler said is that Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. Stayed back in Henderson. They didn't go home. They stayed back at the facility and worked and grinded and got back, you know, got into the weight room and, you know, are trying to learn and trying to, you know, figure things out from what they did their rookie year. They just didn't get an opportunity to get on the field too much. Uh, I believe that Neil Farrell Jr. actually was a, uh, you know, a healthy scratch a couple times. Uh, I think one was discipline reasons, but I mean, okay, it is what it is. You know, I mean, they, they're basically are, I don't want to say wiping the, the slate clean, but you know, they got an opportunity to really work hard this, this uh, off season and this summer, and then go into training camp and, you know, just have a little bit better understanding of what the team wants to do and what Patrick Graham wants them to do. So it could be a big, it could be a big year for them, right? They could bounce back and be uh, some big time players. They only got one year under their belt, so they're still young, right? And there's there's an opportunity. So there, there are a couple guys to pay attention to. So I'm glad that you did. Uh, you brought those guys up because they were a couple guys that I asked about uh, at the owners meetings in Phoenix a little bit earlier. And I said that was the last one. We'll go ahead and get this last call in. This is from Curb Dog in the 916. He's calling to ask a question about Mark Davis. Here he is, Curb Dog in the 916. What up, Hugh? It's your boy, Curb Dog from Curb Dog Sports in the 916, Sacramento, California. Hey, man, uh, love the show. First time caller, long time listener. But uh, anyways, I got a question for why does Mark Davis get so much flack for the own, the way he runs this team? And I, I don't, I have a hard time understanding it. Like he hires coaches from a winning organization, uh, and the guys barely get, you know, a season, uh, under their belt and people already want him gone. I get it. Getting rid of Carr and Waller, no one wanted to see that, man. But at the end of the day, this is their team, and they got to try to run it their way. And isn't that what you want out of an owner? Somebody who lets 
somebody who, who lets uh, the guys who get hired do their jobs, right? So I don't know. I think everybody needs to calm down on Mark Davis. And uh, yeah, man, go Raiders. Love the show. Curb Dog, thanks for the call, my man. Appreciate you checking out the show from Sacramento, California. I bet you're excited about uh, that, that uh, basketball, the playoffs that is coming up this weekend, uh, starting on Saturday with the Kings and the Warriors. That's going to be a fun one. It's good to see the Kings back at being a good uh, basketball team again and being back in the playoffs. It's been a very long time, so excited about seeing that. But back to your call about Mark Davis. You know, everyone wants to talk bad about him. Obviously, the team hasn't been a winner since he took over, but the, the team wasn't a winner before he took over either, right? I mean, a lot of people talk about Al would never do this Al would never do this look at the end of Al's life Al wasn't you know pulling all the 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 best cards either right he wasn't making all the all the best decisions and that's nothing against him it just you know I mean football's developed it's it's more than a one one guy gang you know I mean you can't just run it all by yourself like Al used to do and the one thing about Mark Davis that I respect is he knows he's not a football guy and he said that from the day he took over I'm not a football guy I know what I know he's a businessman he knows how to make money. He's done that hand over fist here in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's obvious. The facilities is amazing. The stadium is amazing. But now he's got to put together an amazing team and put it on the field. So he's hired people and attempted to hire people. That's the reason why he gave John Gruden the long contract. Not because Gruden was the best coach, but he wanted to have continuity. He didn't want to keep hiring and firing, hiring and firing. He wanted to get his guy, guarantee that he'd give time to, to build the team up. And we all know how that shook out, right? Gruden got Washington commandered. I mean, that's basically what happened. You know, the investigation that went in with Washington caused Gruden to lose his job. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that he should get a pass for what he said or what he emailed, but if they were never investigating Washington, Gruden would still be the coach, whether that's good or bad, whatever. But Mark Davis tried to do the right thing, give him the long-term deal. Now he's trying to go outside of the Raider mold, not try to hire guys that just have Raider ties like we've seen in the past. And he's, he's hired Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to come in together, similar to what the 49ers did with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and execute the, the process together, right? And, and, and build the team the way that they you know, see fit, and he's given them time to build it. He's absolutely the ideal owner. Doesn't meddle in, in, in the, the works. He's not holding the press conference like Jerry Jones does every week. He's not, you know what I mean? He's not, he's not that dude. He tries to stay out of the way and lets them go ahead and handle their business. But, you know, he eats at P.F. Chang's. He flies southwest. He has a funny-looking haircut. I mean, and, and this is not me. This is what everyone says about him. Uh, you know, so it's, 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 it's easy for people to, to goof on him. But I'll say this. I respect the dude. He's comfortable in his own skin. He wants to win more, more than anything. Does he make all the right decisions all the time? No. Who does, right? What owner makes all the right decisions all the time? I, but I respect him. Uh, I love what he did with the Aces. He went out and hired the best coach in Becky Hammond, and they won a championship the first year. Some people will say, Q, no one cares about women's basketball. That's fine. <laughs> right? I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, I think it's great. I love the fact that they won a championship. I uh, hope they win another one. Right? But it shows that he wants to win. And when he was at that, that uh, parade on, on the strip, and he was so happy to hoist that trophy, I can only imagine how that would be to hoist the Lombardi trophy for the silver and black because he wants to be a winner and he loves Raider Nation, loves the team, loves everything about, about the organization, loves every former player. You know, it's just, it just that's who he is. But he's comfortable in his own skin. But you know how that goes. When you're comfortable in your own skin, someone's got to talk about you. So it kind of is what it is. But Curb Dog, thanks for the call, my man. 
I do appreciate you, and hopefully uh, everyone has a great day. Hopefully everyone has a great weekend. Of course, it'll be uh, you know a pretty busy weekend as well. The NBA playoffs are, are getting underway. I'm excited about that. But, of course, with it being less than two weeks away from the NFL draft, there's plenty of news and notes that will come out of the NFL over the weekend. Of course, we'll be back here on Monday talking about them, more calls and texts, more news and notes, and uh, playing to get to and playing to break down uh, here on the show. So uh, until then, Raider Nation, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, Just win, baby.